PFT Media. You are now listening to Cinema Crespediso. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, time for your July 2022 bonus episode, Best of. This is free for everyone to hear at chriscrespo.com, Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can hear it. This is a best of episode covering clips from episodes 4 and 95 through 499. We had five Sundays in July, so you get five clips. We're talking about movies like Thor, Love and Thunder. We're talking about Nope. Uh, we're talking about Ms. Marvel and Westworld. We're talking about some people who passed away. There's a lot of little nuggets in here that I think you're going to enjoy. And you'll get to hear more of this at patreon.com slash So sign up today and hear all these full episodes plus our bonus episodes. Two episodes a week minimum at patreon.com slash So Sign up, baby. Marvel episodes two through four. I haven't watched any of it yet. I guess is it going to be six or eight? That's probably pretty important. You know, this might be the one that I skip. I just, I have no, no one's been like, Drew, you should really be watching the show. Nah. <laughs> nah. I'm just like, do I care? Maybe not. Nah, really. Not really. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. <laughs> I would prefer, almost prefer this show. If it, although it, what I even watch it, it may not go on my way to watch it. Just because, again, there's so much content. Like that show, what was that one? Rami? Rami? You ever watch that no. one? Rami? Everybody talked, people talked about that show. Th- that's though. a good one. I've seen a few episodes of that. That, now, that show actually got word of, like, that one got some it, word it of showed mouth. up on my radar, and I was like, oh, maybe, Pe- I, maybe I should be watching this. It's very good, and it's very explicitly about his, like, cultural uh, surroundings, environment, upbringing, you know, and uh, it just got canceled, too, I think. The, the 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 TV streaming system is broken. There's too much stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a broken system. And uh, if this show was a show about a a 16 year old high school Pakistani American girl living in Jersey City, dealing with her like you know her parents who both want her to come to America to grow and get all the opportunities they didn't have, but also they want to hold on to traditions. There's like a lot of good right stuff there for storytelling yeah. and it's almost like then when they get into the stuff with the super superpower and the bangles <laughs> and then the department of defense <laughs> control shows up it's like another shadowy government group mm-hmm. now we now in the mc we have um four four shadowy yeah. government groups that show up whenever like superheroes do their shit um the the, the actual villains of the thing they get into jinns okay well jinns one at least it's yeah. culturally specific the whole jinn genie thing 
uh, it's almost like that gets in the way of what could actually be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, her her best friend is this white kid, Bruno, uh, who's obviously pining for her, wants, wants to be Kamala Khan's no. boyfriend. But then, like, this other kid shows up, uh, Kamran, uh, who's also Pakistani, and she's like, oh, my God, that's a handsome kid. So you got that obvious, like, you know, John Hughes-style mm-hmm. conflict. Like, all the ingredients are there for a good show, but it's almost like they didn't pick the right one, or they're, I don't know. This is not working. It's fine. It's, I don't want <laughs> to hate on it. I think it's just. I think it's more like I want. I want the. Are we getting more of a Hawkeye situation here, where it's just like mm. it, it exists? We yeah. watched it. I don't really give a flying fuck about any of it. I'm enjoying it more than Hawkeye. Okay, that may just be the the new the newness of like now we're dressing hey, the same shit up, but listen, in Pakistani American culture. At, at least Hawkeye had fucking. Uh, what's his face at the end? Uh, D'Onofrio. Yeah. It's Saving Grace was br- folded in some Netflix mm-hmm. shit, right? This one, it's Saving Grace. Is, it's the heavy. It's very heavily also. Oh, there's a subplot. See, I would watch this show. <laughs> there's a subplot about her. She has Kamala Khan has her friend. Uh, uh, I think she's 19 years old. Yeah, she, she's explicitly 19 years old in the show because she's. Uh, she's running for like the mosque board oh, okay. because they're like, look, our. They have the thing where there's a partition for the women and the men, and and they're complaining about how like they, we have mold under our carpets, and I, we came in like we're all separated. The feedback of the speakers sucks. You know, our section's falling apart, no. and the men's section's fine. There's this whole thing about you know just just that kind of stuff. It's no. like this is interesting, and then like bad guys show up, and there's, <laughs> and there's like light powers. I don't Damn know what's it. going on. Yeah, it gets interrupted. Um, it's it's interesting. It's weird. It's interesting if you if you feel like skipping it, I it's skippable. Unfortunately, yeah, there we go. All right, good uh, to know. I'll finish it out. I'll keep reporting back. I'll let you. I'll keep you informed okay. on, the, on the what do you need to know? I guess for the Marvels, sure, because <laughs> she's gonna be in it with um okay Brie Larson and who's the third one? The lady from Wandavision, yeah. I think, right? Monica Maybe. Rambeau. I don't know. I think so. The one who like got mysterious. Yeah. I have no powers from going through Wanda's yeah, uh, thing. <sighs> This thing is this thing's getting unwieldy, but that's all what happened with the comics. <laughs> it's yeah. it's the same thing, right? Anyway, uh, so that's the that's the new stuff that I watch. I watch some old stuff, okay, but new to me though. Some of it, no. Paul Schrader. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about Paul Schrader. We watched Rolling Thunder, which he like wrote. They rewrote. He disowned it. But that's a Paul. That's a fucking. Mm-hmm. That thing's brutal. I watched his first three movies, which are all I've never seen any of them. Okay, and they're all on different services. And they're all worth watching. Okay. All right. The first movie he did was, as like a director, I mean to say, because he already like uh, wrote screenplays and shit. Blue Collar. It's from 1978. That's uh, Richard Pryor, Harvey Keitel, Yafet Koto. Okay. Uh, skinny Yafet Koto. Very intimidating. Where, I mean, air quote skinny. skinny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back then, he was probably considered like a big boy, right? But you look at him now. It's like, look at this thin motherfucker. He looks like, looks like Drew over here. Um, the, uh, they're auto workers in Detroit. Working the line, and long time ago, long time ago, long time ago. <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore. No, yeah, this what seventy eight, that's forty two, forty four years ago. God damn, yep, they're working the line. Not only is this a long, this is a, the, the distant universe. There's, there's a union <laughs> representing all of them, you know. That and used it's to like back in the day too. And this movie is about like workers' rights and oh. shit. Uh, you know, that's people like, used to care about that. Yeah, now now it's all like no unions are bad, but it's also I'm poor. <laughs> It's crazy. Whenever I hear people talk shit on unions, I'm like, you don't understand. You don't understand unions very well, do you? You don't understand them. You don't know nothing. And and it's all about the corruption within unions, which is inherent in any any organization. 
any system, it's go- it's going to happen. You just got to root it out and, and keep working. You don't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like, I finally understand that concept, right? Yeah. Um, Get with the union. That's fine. Just don't let the mafia take control. Which is so... <laughs> in this movie, this is a movie in which, of course, it's a union where the mafia is taking control or they act in mafioso sort of mm-hmm. ways. So uh, uh, these three, Cartel, Pryor, Cotto, they figure out, hey, we can... Love, they, there's a big old safe at the union office. Let's just go knock it over and steal this money for all the things that we need. And mm-hmm. he spends all the time setting up why each person needs money. Yeah. Um, and uh, man, Richard Pryor in this, you, you hear all oh, Richard Pryor. So he's probably like cracking jokes. He's the funny one of or, the three. Or, or is he being serious? He, he is so measured and like, he rarely raises his voice. He's rarely cracks jokes. There's a very like, uh, uh, a specific performance that is good. So he's, he's playing, he's being an actor, not just Richard Pryor. He's not, he's not doing his Richard Pryor thing. He is acting. He is the role of this, whoever this character's name is. I forgot the character's name. I only watched the movie once. Um, but he's very good. Obviously, Kaitel's good, and uh, Yafet Koto is a fucking. He's a scene stealer, man. He's always amazing. So, um, the uh, they they're like, we're gonna rob this fucking safe, and then when they rob it, they there's no money in there, but there's a notebook and it's a ledger of all these loans or high interest rates. So from there, it becomes them figuring out what they're gonna do with the notebook and dealing with the union. Uh, about an it's a movie's like an hour and fifty minutes. Like a little over an hour, hour and 15 into it, there is a death scene, Drew, mm-hmm. that's like, oh, no, this is a murder. <laughs> but okay. it's left up in the air. Like, yeah. is it, though, or was it a malfunction? There's a death scene that goes on for a couple minutes, and it is um, bothersome. <laughs> okay. It's it's effective. Cool. It's very effective. Paul Schrader hadn't seen a movie until the age of 18. When he makes movies, the reviews at the time were like, all his movies are cold and calculated because it's like, I'm placing the camera here. This is the shot. It's almost like Steven uh, uh, Soderbergh, mm-hmm. the way he made movies. Uh, you look at it now, it's just like, no, this is this is style. This is a guy who knows uh, exactly what he wants and how to get it. It's good. It's cool. good. I watch it on Amazon Prime. Okay. Blue Collar. Followed it up with on Tubi. So mm-hmm. there's some commercials. Yeah. Hardcore. Okay. Comes on 79, George C. Scott. This movie, oh boy. Um, he's a, a, a guy, grows up, it's it's Midwest, and it's a Calvinist, uh, uh, it's very autobiographical, this movie. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, and, and George C. Scott's character is based on Paul Schrader's dad. He is like, a man, owns a manufacturing factory or whatever, but they all go to church, very Calvinist. He has a daughter. Daughter goes with the youth group to Los Angeles for, or not Los Angeles, but to California, Bakersville, I don't know, for a, um, like a convention, a Calvinist youth group convention. Uh, in L.A., she goes missing. She's seen with a dude, hanging out with some local guy, goes missing, right? He's like, I, I got to find my daughter. Very quickly, uh, the detective, played by Peter Boyle, uh, <laughs> crazy young-looking Peter Boyle, always, he's got that face, man, uh, shows him, he's like, I got to show you something, and shows him a film of his daughter uh, in the middle of an Eiffel Tower situation. Oh. If you, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. And he doesn't even warn him or set him up for no, what it is. Nope. He's like, watch this. Hey, ultra-religious <laughs> man, you want to see your all of your daughter's holes being stuffed? Your underage daughter, too. <laughs> yes. She, I think she's explicitly well, back, like in high school. Back in the day, Chris, different time. Different time. What? Someone <laughs> at one point when, when they're trying to find her. I mean, even Elvis talks about that. Oh, yeah. Elvis is like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We'll just tell your daddy that uh, we're le- we're teaching you something. The uh, someone calls her jailbait at some point, yeah. so they know. Okay. Oh no, this is this is bad. You, you're messing around with jailbait if you don't tell me where this lady is. Yeah. 
So the movie is him trying to find his daughter in the porn industry in L.A., infiltrating it at one point, pretending to be a casting director to like meet people. It is a wild, interesting Good movie. Yeah, sleazy, the super sleazy day. Man, it's, it's a sleazy movie. Not, not just a just, sleazy. Like yeah. now, nowadays it's sleazy. Back then it was super sleazy. Super sleazy. I mean, it, I mean the whole. They still exist though. Right? They have to, right? In some places, the um, you go to an adult shop and there's the viewing booth. Oh yeah, no, that still back, exists, right? Yeah. Maybe in some cities they exist where they have the you you walk to you walk into. Um, what was the last movie that had this Boondock Saints where you walk into like a room and he put some money in and the glass partition yeah. and there's a girl on the other side, yeah. right? That has a scene like that. Um, yeah, all those places are like, oh, scuzzy and, mm-hmm. and crazy gross. It feels, uh, again, another time. Yeah. All cleaned up now, New York City. Not the same New York, man. Now they got Disney Store and Times Square and all that shit. So we get, uh, that's Hardcore, 79 on Tubi. Recommend, watch it. His third movie... It was a little more, much more popular film that I still had never seen. American Gigolo. You ever okay. see American Gigolo? Nope. Heard about it though. What? What? Do you know anything about it? Richard Gere. That's about it, right? I just always like American Gigolo. So he, all right. So he plays a, a, a prostitute. He plays a sex worker. Like whatever. What's his? What's his movie? Is it like a rom com? I expect it to be like no. maybe a officer in a gentleman situation yeah, or no. a reverse can't pr- be. a reverse pretty woman or it's, something. It's gotta be, there's got to be something to it if people are still talking about it. So it's got to be. You know, what what makes it last? What makes it know. stick? I don't know. I haven't seen it. Well, it's a uh, it's a neo noir thriller. Is what it is. Okay. Written and directed by Paul Schrader. See if somebody just told me, "Oh, American Gigolo is <laughs> a Paul Schrader movie." I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm gonna watch this. Um, with the Giorgio Morador soundtrack. Nice. Yes. Uh, the Blondie song "Call Me," which everyone knows, was written for this movie. Morador had the tune written, but he couldn't figure out the melody, so he called in Debbie Harry, uh, and um, a hit was born. Um. Man, this is a good movie. I watched this on HBO Max. Okay. Yeah, of the three. I mean, the other two movies are awesome, but this is the like the most uh, refined, the most Hollywood of them. It's the slickest of them, the best looking. Uh, uh, I, I heard it described recently as uh, it has like just the right amount of cocaine okay. use. Yeah. <laughs> you uh-huh. know? Like yeah. Schrader was, Not too much. Yeah, like just Sh- enough. The movie and Schrader, they were both on just the right amount of cocaine when they were making this movie. Um uh, apparently his next movie is when he does too much and it shows yeah oh I can't wait to watch that one um so the uh, he's uh, Richard Gere is a worker of the sex persuasion uh and he finds himself uh embroiled in a murder mystery has he or has he not committed this uh it would have been a a, a tricky gone wrong mm-hmm. type of thing and uh it's good well it cool. is really really good uh, what's his name? Oh, I just remembered another story about Hardcore, which is actually very funny. You'd appreciate this. So, like I said, Hardcore is very much about his parents and him growing up in the mm-hmm. Calvinist religion and all that, not seeing the movie until the age of 18. And then going to Hollywood, becoming a screenwriter. Obviously, his parents hated that. Then he makes Hardcore. His parents have a cameo, essentially, in the opening scene, which is like a Thanksgiving meal situation. Yep, he tricked them. Told him the no. movie was called something called Pilgrim, mm-hmm. and uh, they filmed some scenes or in this movie, and then uh, his mother eventually dies. Right, his dad sees the movie, whatever, and then calls Paul Schrader, says, "I've seen, I, I saw your movie, uh, and all I can say is that I'm glad 
your mother is dead. Because nah, if she would have saw it, she would have died. Yes. Uh-huh. That, so it did not go over well with, her, with his parents. Good for them. Good for them. <laughs> We're talking about the guy. He wrote Taxi Driver with a loaded gun. Like, he was drinking drunk, riding taxi driver, he had a loaded gun on, at a typewriter next to him. Just, just like, you know what, maybe. For a sense uh, of danger. <laughs> no, 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 I'll keep writing, I'll keep writing. <laughs> tap, 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 tap. <laughs> um, he's, an, he's insane. I wish Card Counter Card Counter was a better movie, yeah. right? That was a that was a bummer. It was. it was like, oh, this is not well. Right. I mean, it's just he's old. He's old. They're not all gonna be hits. It was like First Reformed was a surprise. Yeah, when it was like, oh wait, Schrader maybe still has it. Well, he does just for he's got different sensibilities now. He does. That's that. the problem. It, it does, and sometimes they resonate, and sometimes they don't. He keeps making like the same type of movie over and over and over. But I'm I'm fine with that. Um, anyway, American American Gigolo is good. Cool, it's good. HBO, watch it. Uh, Richard, oh, that was the, uh, John Travolta was going to be the Gigolo, mm-hmm. um, but he dropped out pretty late in the process. Worked out for the better because it was a different movie. It wouldn't have been as good with with him in the lead. No. Um, but he was the one who brought in Giorgio Armani for Wardrobe to dress the guy up. Armani was just getting started at the time, and the movie is credited with like blowing him up uh, and making you know the idea of wearing Italian suits popular yeah. in. Uh, in Los Angeles and America. Yeah, isn't that crazy? I really hope that we get to be we get to podcast through fully through the apocalypse. Like certain communication things. The, the apocalypse will be podcasted. Yes. Yes, yes. Hope we can document it, podcast it, die on Mike. That'd be great. Hopefully, that'd be a more of a live thing. I mean, you, I mean, I'm sure you'd have a better mm-hmm. luck with some mm-hmm. sort of ham radio. Oh, I thought you were going to say podcast. I thought you were going to say better luck with a hammer. Uh, well, I mean that too. Yeah. To search your face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to go violent with it, but no, you're right. Ham radio or to other people's faces. We're going to have to get into ha- way. we're going to have to get into ham radio. We're going to have to get into CV radio, right? shortwave, longwave, all that kind of shit, and just sit there like in a bunker and be like, is anyone out there? Uh, do you guys remember Jaws 1975? <laughs> that was cool. Uh, I'm out of water. If anyone sent me some water, that'd be great. But in the meantime, we're going to talk about Bloodsport for the 50th time. Because uh, that's the one movie I remember from beginning to end. <laughs> That's our pop, pop the podcast pop the podcast apocalypse. There's something in there. That's your podcast apocalypse. That's my podcast apocalypse. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm gonna alone. Be, I'm not going to be involved in that. I'm alone. I'm surrounded by bones. <laughs> the bones of the people I hate. Uh, I, Fellow I'm, podcasters who decided to hold up with me and made a mistake. I'm out there going crazy, murder spree, murder spree, lone survivor. You're Mad Maxing it. Uh huh. You're trying your best to Mad Max I'm it. Out there Mad Maxing it. I can feel that. That's a good vibe. I'm not sure That's if I'm ever going to get to the point where like. You know, I feel something for these people. I'm like, try to help them. No, you'll die before he gets out. Yeah. Um, that's a work, man. You got to, like, find the ammo you, or you need gas. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're going to have to find a dog uh-huh. to bring with you. We'll put a red bandana around it. Uh, yeah. His neck. Uh, that's a lot of work. It is. Your apocalypse is a lot of work. It is. Mine's just, I'm hanging out in a bunker. I got to get, I, I get used to wearing leather all the time, even when it's super hot. It's mega hot. But you know what? Those those nucle- nuclear that, that apoca- winter nights. That, 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 that apocalyptic chafing. <laughs> it's like why is the future out of baby powder <laughs> oh yeah all the Johnson Johnson factories exploded in the pharmaceutical wars <laughs> of 2044 the pharma wars yep. it's on, on the way they took out all uh, the... is that before or after the water wars 
and the fuel wars. Oh, see, it all leads together. Actually, <laughs> it's it's the it's the William Gibson jackpot. It all leads together. It's all just one thing. It's a lot of things, but it's all one. It's it's the one thing together. Um. So in the meantime, bread and circus means we got to talk about Thor: Love and Thunder. Talking about some fucking bread and circus stuff in that bitch. There's actual little bread and circus. Is there not? Is there? Is there? Food? I'm not sure if it's actually bread, but yeah, definitely. A, I mean, the movie was circus. It was definitely circus vibes, including ringleaders and uh, uh-huh. like a one ring. There's uh, even omnipotent pe- circus of some sort. There's a petting zoo. <laughs> lots of bright colors. Well, very much bright colors. Lots of clowning. No. A lot of clowning, a lot of sad clown. Thor playing a sad clown. Well, and Christian Bale playing super sad clown. Oh man, <laughs> he's like the saddest clown. He starts as a yeah. I guess when he's talking to the kids, he, he has a very sad clown vibe. So weird, so creepy. I wonder how much of that was like they did some uh, surely some sort of like CG enhancement to his face and I mean yeah definitely. and some of the transitions out of the shadows. But it seemed like a lot of it was practical, like just makeup, makeup and like but yeah. Uh, 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 contacts in his uh-huh. eyes do you Pro- think or maybe is that col- color grading yeah. obviously a lot of color I mean, a lot of digital work with his eyes too yes that's what i'm saying like his eyes were creepy yeah. in this movie awesome. yeah and then he uh he does this christian bale thing where he fucking kills it god damn it very very and, good and then i see a fucking trailer for the new movie which one is that Who who's the director on that one david o david russell. russell the new david o. russell flick that's just like a star-studded fucking slap in the face, yeah. and it's like, God damn it. The movie Amsterdam, so that's uh, that's Christian Bale, who, I mean, it's now American Hustle, yeah. uh, the other one, the one before that. He made like three movies with oh, him. He's in the stable. He's in the stable. The stable's <laughs> gotten bigger. John David <laughs> Washington. That's a lot of fun. Margot Robbie. Oh, yeah. Who, I'm surprised that, like, well, shouldn't that be the Jennifer Lawrence role? What happened it there? Should be, well, I mean, it, it should be, I mean, it should be fucking Bradley Cooper and... Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, what about Bradley Cooper? Bradley Cooper's too big now. Now he's uh, he'll, so is, he'll take a small role. So is Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's David O. Russell. They've had anyway. Um, yeah, that movie looks interesting. I don't know what it's about, but it looks interesting. I was like, oh, there's a lot of people in this. <laughs> Remy Malik shows up. I was like, what the fuck? Like, what the hell? What was it about? It was like about a thing. Anyway, so uh, we saw Thor: Love and Thunder on Thursday night. It was very '80s hair metal. Yeah. And so Taika Waititi just loves Guns N' Roses. Is that, is that what it is? Apparently, big Guns N' Roses fan, either him or the whoever he co-wrote it with. Well, must, have, must have been a co-writer there. Some, none of these Marvels are, I mean, they're even are written by just one person. almost integral to a plot point. Like, the Heimdall's son wants they, to be called Axel. They wove it in. They wove it in, yeah. It's like, fully... There's a band on your on your planet called Guns N' Roses. That type of shit. Yeah. It was very funny. Mm. I like that. So then it's... Uh, it's not just a gimmick. It's not just in the soundtrack. It's actually yeah. like has part some, of the movie. <laughs> has some weird emotional resonance for like some of the characters in a weird way that they use it more. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a Ragnarok too, right? I mean, I mean, it, it's it, a Taika Waititi Thor movie, right? So it's like th- it's Thor four. It's four. It's the four or Thor. But however it, you want to do it. But it's really Ragnarok too because it's the second Taika Waititi Thor, and, it, and so it's almost it, and like it has such a, a second like god apocalypse like one was just for the asgardians like their homeland was destroyed and, and yeah. this one like gods are dying yeah it's the god the gore the god butcher christian bales has a, a special sword that allows him to kill gods and i do like so how, that's what he's doing that's the threat of the movie i do like how he's not just like villain for villain's sake like marvel's good ha- at that like he has like an ethos yeah like in his head he's doing the right thing marvel's good at that you can easily talk about how it's the very opening scene of the movie he's a he's a religious uh zealot pretty much 
and uh, he finally gets to meet his god in his dying moments and finds out that his god is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. So, his, so, his, his god is some fucking goddamn fucking like douchebag frat bro yeah and i've been i've been praying to this guy we've sacrificed so much and he hasn't even noticed fuck this guy so he kills him and decides well you know maybe i'll get you that there's also like this curse thing with a sort of whole other comic more comic booky shit but on just that level of like how uh that kind of religious zealotry can easily be used in certain ways it's used by the sword um, it's you know how like love can turn to hate that type of shit. It's a thin line. It's a thin line between love and hate. Um, it's good. It's a good character. A thin line between love and thunder. Oh man! So the I don't obviously I don't say what it is, but yeah, I like how either. there's a late reveal yeah. of what love and thunder means. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, this is that's nice. <laughs> I really, I I really enjoyed uh, Stormbreaker being the jealous ex girlfriend. Yeah, so that, that's a weird thing. It's, oh my god, it was so fucking weird. It's very fascinating how <laughs> yes, it's fascinating how they managed to imbue personality traits to Stormbreaker and Mjolnir. Inanimate objects, <laughs> not inanimate. No. They they can float around, but yeah, the, you know, like based on the scene and the context, when it cuts to like the the the, the axe. Or even the hammer, you're like, oh, wait, we know what's going on here. And Thor, <laughs> well, and they Thor even starts do, talking like, to the him. classic, like, rom-com cuts yeah. where, like, Thor's sitting there, like, talking to Mjolnir, <laughs> like, trying to get his groove back with his fucking old flame. Yeah. And, then, and then all of a sudden, like, in the fuzzy background, you don't notice. And then it's and, and then it focuses and, and fucking Stormbreaker's right there and yeah. literally, like, does the turn and, like, stares at and him. It's like he's looking at him. It's so crazy. Hilarious. It is crazy. Um Taika Waititi likes relationships. <laughs> yeah, uh huh. <laughs> he likes complicated relationships. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it, f- fun getting that um, reveal about how the the Corgans mate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> find out about their mating ritual and all that's fascinating. Uh, I mean, if they're into it, that's cool. Shit, yeah. seems kind of boring. <laughs> um, we get a lot of obviously. So we got Natalie Portman's back as Doctor Jane Fonda. Looking. Dude, her arms were scary. They're so big. <laughs> They're cartoonishly big. Yeah, she had for her body. scary superhero arms, dude. Yeah, she was uh, excited to be able to do a movie for once where she wasn't asked to be skinny or small, but actually be bigger, as big as she could be. And yeah, her arms were big. We really didn't see what the rest of her body looked like no, in terms well, of fitness. Suit. Yes, right. She's wearing a superhero suit. And then when she's not in the suit, she's a, cancerous. She, she's cancerous, dying Jane Foster. Because her storyline is the reason she even becomes Thor is because she's sick. So she gets the hammer to be like, oh, now I feel better. But then there's a whole other thing, whole storyline with that. Yeah. Um, it's all like in the first act. That's all first act setup shit. And she's good, obviously. And Natalie Portman, well, what are you going to be like m- m- mad at Natalie Portman <laughs> for being a, a good actress? For being a good actress in a Thor movie, in the fourth Thor movie? Um. Yeah, she was good. I do think it was also funny how we went back to long-haired Thor. Yes, I prefer long-haired Thor. I like the long, short-haired Thor is a cool look. It's a nice change of pace, but uh, you know, it's cool to go back to the old school look. But not the first look where yeah. he dyed his beard blonde and his eyebrows mm-hmm. blonde in the Kenneth Branagh yeah. one. Because they're like, he has to be Nordic. Well, because well, that's fucking Shakespeare Thor. Yes, exactly. Shakespeare <laughs> Thor. He's like, he must, he's a Nordic god. He, Norse, Norse god. Yeah. He must be as blonde as possible. And it, it looks horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, it really does look pretty wild. He has evolved. His look has evolved. My favorite Thor look was the all black suit he wears pretty well, early with the, on. With the eye patch and the short hair. 
the eye patch and short hair, the last movie. Yeah. I mean, just in this movie specifically. In, early on, he has an all-black version of his yeah. suit. But then when he sees her suit, he changes it to look more like hers. And then he's rocking that look for most of the movie. Mm-hmm. But the all-black one's like, that's pretty slick. That's pretty good. And also the shadow monster things were pretty... Yeah, shadow um, monster things were creepy as fuck. They were creepy and cool and interesting. This is a pretty fun movie. I thought it was good. Yeah. Uh, surprising. I, re- I mean, I, I enjoy Taika Waititi... And his movies. That's so true. That's when true. he gets to play in these sandboxes, I it always blows my mind what yeah. what they let him get away with. Right. In all reality. Yeah, and thankfully, you know, this, uh, so much of the Marvel cinematic universe has now explored different dimensions and realms, et cetera, et cetera. So you now this fucking, dude, yeah, this one got weird with it. Giant space goats. Giant space goats. That, 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 that's in, all I'm saying. Come on, there's giant space goats in this movie, <laughs> and they'd be screaming. Oh, so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's wild. A little bit of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. So that was fun to see these guys back at it, doing their doing their Guardians thing. Even fucking Vin Diesel yep. re- recording still, new still, still I Am Groot dialogue. That's so funny. He's like, no, I need, I got to do it again. Now I'm, all, now yep. I'm older. I got to get paid. Now I'm a teenager. I'm a teenage group. I guess now he's about teenage group. Yeah. Maybe almost almost 20. Oh boy! So we saw the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special mm-hmm. and movie Volume Three coming. So that's a lot of that's a lot of Guardians. We'll see what happens there. Um, the uh, it's a good movie. I like it. It's a good I really movie. It. I really enjoyed it. I mean, there's the, the, the all the Marvel. It's a very Marvel movie, but it's still the Taika Waititi version. So it's uh, kind of takes the piss out of some of it too, oh, which yeah. is uh, what's enjoyable mm-hmm. about it. Uh, brings back some of the same gags, like same jokes from yeah. the first movie, but updates them, you know, appropriately, and and they're fun. But at the same time, it's serious when it needs to be. Absolutely, he knows when to. to be. That's what Marvel. We talked about this on the Independence Day episode. Marvel has taken that model of blockbuster where they, yeah, it's a comedy, but it also gets serious when it's a sci-fi movie, and maybe there's a little bit of horror in there. Yeah. Like just who cares? Just throw it all in there. I mean, yeah, people like you, this shit when you get the fucking Zombie Strange and shit. Zombie Strange, and it's like <laughs> delivering important dialogue to. <laughs> America Chavez, like, I'm supposed to take this? Okay, <laughs> I will. I'll take it for real. I understand. Um, yeah, it's good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Immensely. It. We enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. If you enjoy Thor 3, 3 lore, uh, then you'll enjoy Then you'll throw Thor You'll enjoy the 4. And it was fun seeing it on Thor's Day. Yeah, so if you can see it on Thor's <laughs> Day, it's just to honor, you know, honor Thor, the actual Thor. I wonder what Thor thinks about these movies. I don't know. You have to ask him. Or Zeus. Oh, boy, he probably didn't like that. Probably not. Yeah. Well, it's probably, he probably hasn't liked a lot of things in history. Yeah, that's true, actually. Zeus is like, my little fucker. Here's some more lightning. Um, I saw the black phone. Scott Derrickson. Speaking of Doctor Strange. Yeah. Uh, Scott Derrickson's The Black Phone I saw in a very loud theater and <laughs> it's very jump scary type of movie where okay. the soundtrack even the opening credits were not even wasn't even music it was just like loud it was weird anyway so it's a Joe Hill short story Joe Hill being uh, Stephen King's boy right and uh, so it has like that sort of he writes like his dad so it has that sort of vibe to it kids are the main characters and there's a spooky bad guy Ethan Hawke with all the different masks and shit he's very good just like we'd expect him to be and uh, it was a good movie like I definitely enjoyed it it's very tense it, it keeps up a good uh, uh, intense atmosphere throughout 
there's a fun because it's all about you know this kid gets kidnapped and there's a black phone in the basement mm-hmm. and then the phone rings it's not connected to anything but yeah. then it rings and then he and hears a voice the spirits of the other kids that this dude murdered yes exactly and they're gonna save him yes and they're and they're all like uh, I was working on this plan on this part of the pl- um, of, of of a plan like you can pick up where I left off and he he takes all their pieces of these plans to put them together anyway. So he, uh, oh, that's in that trailer. And uh, the trailer does give you about 50. I thought the trailer gave away more. Okay. I was like, damn, this trailer gives away a lot. It gives away like maybe 50% of the movie. Okay. Uh, so there's definitely like, you know. It's, it only, it's yeah. more than just a trailer. Yeah, it's more than just a trailer. The trailer gives you up to like maybe the end of the second act. Uh, almost the end of the second act. So it's uh, good. It's tense. All the acting is fine. Ethan Hawke's very good. The kid actors are fine. Uh, oh, there's a guy, Jeremy Davies. You know this actor? You know this actor. Um, what's the movie? Rescue Dawn. Okay. Okay. There's Christian Bale, speaking of, right? Steve Zahn, right? And then that other guy, Jeremy yeah. Davies. The other guy. The, the weird guy. Okay. Uh, he plays like the alcoholic dad in this of the kid who gets Fun. kidnapped. And uh, he, he has a very specific weird energy that definitely works for for a role like that. He's a very creepy dude. Okay. Just like on screen. I have no idea what it's like in real life. I mean, he could be a sweetheart in real could life. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. Nobody's got something on his face and his eyes. Oh, this guy. Gives me one of those. One of those creepy vibes. Um, so I like it. like back phone. I thought, was there something else I want to say about it? I'm thinking about the mask and all that. It was good. Okay. It was good. Watch it at home. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Watch it at home. You don't have to see it. There was- what, what, what if I don't watch it ever? <clears throat> well, then you'll miss the, the, the then you will miss the Cronenbergy uh, pulsing black phone effect. That I mean, that's all, pretty cool. That that's all right. That's pretty cool. I was like, oh, that phone's pulsing. That's that's fun. That's a um. Maybe skip it. Well, then you'll make Scott Derrickson sad. I'll tweet him. I'll tweet him. I'll say, hey, Drew Sikagrin oh. didn't see. Scott didn't Derrickson, see prepare to be sad. And then and then he'll tweet back and be like, no. Who the fuck is Drew Sikagrin? Nah, he'll be like, no. <laughs> sad face emoji. Uh, crying eyes emoji. I'm not going to watch this movie. Dead emoji. You're not going to watch it? Nope. Okay. Drew Sikagrin. Line in the sand. Not watching the black phone. Even though it's all right. It's all right. It's fine. Um, I watched uh, Ms. Marvel episode five. Okay, there's gonna be six episodes. Okay, so we're 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 down we're down to the final two. The, I, this is the penultimate episode. I'm pretty sure this is the series I'm gonna skip. Right. This, this is where it begins. It's the one where I mean, it's it's if, um the family drama is all interesting. Episode five has the least Ms. Marvel in it. Not to say anything bad about the actress or the character, but it's the one that dealt more with her family's backstory, and it brings in the historical. Uh, so we never see this in our media, so it's interesting where episode five is squarely rooted in the, uh, what, what's it called, the partition, when British rule is essentially ending in India, yeah. and then they just split it up, like, okay, well now this is Pakistan, this is India, I think this is Bangladesh, is the three they split up into, so people had to like fucking move, millions of people have had to just start moving around to go into these arbitrary borders that got set up by Britain. Yeah. So it's set in those final days, and it's set mostly in a... A big train yard where people are running around, um, and it's talking about the, a lot of the history of all that stuff wrapped into about her, her grandmother and her great grandmother. I believe it's their story, and uh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's good. And then they do a cool like you know like because of her their powers with the with the this the bangle, bangle thing. Yeah, she uh, manages to like get knocked back into nineteen forty two or whatever whenever that happens, and. Um, 
So, like, she's there. It, this always works in storytelling when, like, a person does something impossible, but they come back with, like, an artifact or, like, proof. It's like, well, then how can I have this yeah. in my pocket, uh-huh. you know? Uh, they they pulled something like that, and that was uh, that's always fun. Um, it's a good show, I'm for sure. You know, like I'm enjoying it, but I'm not crazy for it. You say you're gonna skip it, I ain't gonna be like, no, dude, you, got, you gotta see what happens. Yeah. It just doesn't have that vibe, unfortunately. But I'm enjoying it. I like it. Again, like I think I said this last week, when it's not being a superhero story, is when it's most interesting. Yep. They should just made a, a interesting family historical drama or yeah a generational drama (laughs) about a family dealing with the events of the the partition um ms marvel season finale and good I'm going to give the show a solid good. Better than fine. Okay. But I I ain't being like, Drew, you got to watch. <laughs> you got to watch Ms. Marvel, bro. Is, is there anything that I need to know for future Marvel sure. bullshit? Yes. So with all these shows, especially with new characters, it definitely turned in them. Who the fuck wants to watch an Echo show? Not me. You do. Why? Go fuck yourself. You said Echo. Uh, <laughs> that's going to be a problem. I set my downstairs Amazon thing to boy, Marvel's. Marvel's fucking with you. Fucking Marvel. I can't wait for them to drop their Alexa show. <laughs> I'm really fucking everybody. Alexa meets Siri. <laughs> um, that's very yeah. distracting. And this thing, why, why are you dropping so many samples? Audition. Uh, okay, so yeah, uh, with the with that show, they're, they're bringing in both they're bringing in both Vincent D'Onofrio and Charlie. Okay, so it's a Daredevil side show. It's a it's a full on Daredevil show. It's gonna be a Daredevil show. Okay, Watch, I'm calling it right now. That's fine. Let me see. Go me one. That's second. how it works. Yeah, I mean that's how it works in the comic books. That's true. That that is exactly how it works. So Pe- that's people start off as side characters in bigger character stories, and then eventually they become their own characters. Exactly. Um. Which, which they hope anyway. That's the, that's the goal. That's the idea. Obviously, Ms. Marvel in the in the book form is a play on Captain Marvel. The very, very explicitly, she's a fangirl and all that. So it's just like an out. That's sort of like a Spider-Man sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Another anyway. Um, yeah. Okay. So I guess this is, if anyone hasn't watched the show but is interested in watching and doesn't want a spoiler, here is a spoiler for the very end of the show. Ready for this? I'm giving you guys a second. Spoilers. Spoilies. Um, so, uh, apparently, I believe in the books, okay. she's an inhuman. Okay. As written her, I okay. think she was tied into the inhuman thing. Okay, so, so not a mutant. Correct. And and not, like, otherworldly superpowers. Correct. In the show, for the first five episodes, it's explained as a lineage thing. Okay. She's not an inhuman. Okay. So what is she? Uh, well, what did the inhumans replace? Mutants. So, so she's mutant. Bum, 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 bum. Okay, so they finally used the M word. It's the first time uh, they used any form of the M word to describe a person. Even earlier in the show, someone says uh, "enhanced person." We're, 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 tell us about coming in contact with the enhanced person. They say very pointedly. Well, there's different ways of being enhanced in the Marvel universe. Ah, uh-huh, yes, you know, there you, is. You can Doctor Strange it, mm-hmm. so you know that's weird. Just, inter- just learn magic. Pa- yeah, 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 it's that's magic. You just that's literal magic. magic. Literal magic. Uh, you know, you got there, aliens. You, there's aliens. There's literal gods. That's true too. That like a plethora of them from different mythologies, uh-huh. which is yeah, funny. yeah, yeah. 
Uh, yes. Which is why then this show could bring in like gins and yeah. stuff, and then, uh, which and, was a lot of fun. You know, there's Ge- all, genies. You know, then there's the fun scientific experiments gone wrong. But your banners and whatnot. Well, your your, your banners, your Fantastic Fours, your mm. Spider Men. Yeah, true. Yeah, it's a bunch of them. That's, a, that's a good bunch of because Marvel's all, uh, does do well with the um, normal quote normal people uh, given extraordinary powers, uh, but in this one, uh, he's like we we thought it was. Uh, lineage, but then your brother asked me to test his DNA, check his DNA, and I I didn't find anything, so I rechecked yours, and it seems your genes they have a da, da, da. mutation. Mutation, <laughs> and then the camera is on her, and then I swear it's the um, the X Men animated show theme song. <laughs> it starts playing. I swear to God, I was like, is that the X Men theme song? And then she's like, she's like, whatever, and then gets in the car, and they all drive off credits yeah after credits scene uh she's in her room in her costume in her new cool costume with her bangle that gives where the power is like whatever there's like a power surge and she gets sucked into her closet okay and then uh and you don't see anyone like she's down out of frame and then fucking uh carol danvers brie larson pops up and then she like looks around and sees a bunch of uh, you know, Captain Marvel fan art all over the bedroom and picks up a picture and looks at it and she's like, and looks at her own hands and is like, this isn't good and then like kind of runs off and then black credits. Okay. Like what? Okay. I don't, I, I gotta go online now and, and find people to explain what I just even saw. Yeah, me too. Ridiculous. So it's a, I think it's a body swap thing somehow for some reason. I think, I think that's what I read that, that, uh, that the, the Brie Larson, what we're seeing is essentially Brie Larson is now maybe in Kamala Khan's body. Question mark. Don't know. It, whatever happened in that post credit scene that we're just meant to believe happened, they did a piss poor job of explaining because I, I don't know that happened. Oh, and then it said, uh, Ms. Marvel will return in the Marvels. Yeah. So instead of the Marvels. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode six sold me on the show. Up, up until even five, I thought, no, I thought five was good. The first four episodes, I'm pretty wishy-washy. Five, I started liking it. This show, uh, this one, the finale was good. The uh, The action set pieces were fun. The uh, the way uh, all the characters came together worked out pretty well. And also there's a good like emotional payoff with the with the parents because I always thought the best part of the show was all the the family stuff anyway. Yeah. So they paid that off well. And the, the reveal of how they get to the name Ms. Marvel and what Kamala means in uh, in the Arabic, uh, whatever, uh, whatever, heard Urdu. There's like different, Kamala can mean different things in different languages. Yeah. And they eventually worked it around to Ms. Marvel in a pretty satisfying way. Okay. I was like, oh, this works out very good. Because the whole show, they're also like, everyone's calling her Nightlight. Because because she, she works with light mm-hmm. and uh, and Kamala's like that, that name sucks that's terrible and then she tries to be like I'm light girl at one point and her family's like mm, who yeah. <laughs> and then she's like night light and they're like oh <laughs> it's pretty funny um so it's, it's good it's a good show anyway it, it uses the M word the Marvels just wait just wait for the Marvels you'll see the Marvels. There's like oh and Monica the uh, the third lady is in it the Rambo lady Westworld season four episode three. I am fully back on board on this show one hundred percent. Like I am excited to watch the next episode. Need to start watching that show. It should. It's good, man. It's good. It's fucking. Uh, oh, you know what my favorite part about it is right now. It's this is so stupid and esoteric. Um, but how they do? I think they've been did this the last few seasons. The um, previously on Westworld. Yeah. 
no dialogue. It's like 15 seconds of just images from from the previous episode, but it works. I go, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, re- that happened. I do having, remember having those vague feelings about, oh, what just happened? It's episode three, man. Like, the, at the end of episode two, they show some good shit. Like, they reveal the, the larger scope of at least one of the timelines. Yeah. And then episode three, they've explored that one further and then introduce, like, get into Bernard's uh, story and timeline. I love Bernard. <laughs> Bernard. <laughs> episode three is a great Bernard episode. It's a great Bernard episode. It's so good. Um, so I'm into it. Westworld, fantastic. Uh, 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 I watched the second half of the Protector two. Okay. Which because I had never seen it, and okay. it was and it was on Pluto. Okay. And uh, it's it's liberating to walk halfway into an action, especially a kung fu movie, and not know who's fighting it, who it for what. I do not care. And then when they can cut to people talking, like, I don't got to pay attention to any of this. No. I'm like, oh, at one point, I was like, there's an elephant in this one, too? Yeah. There's a very strong elephant subplot still in the Protector okay. 2. I, I like that they didn't forget their roots. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't forget the elephants. They didn't forget the elephant roots. Um, too much, um, like, CG stuff, you mm. know. The, the, the joy of Angbok and the Protector is how it's that 2000s Thai uh, kung fu movie where... It was just stuntmen throwing their bodies at yeah, each other. Yeah, each other's ass. And it was the first time I'd ever seen knees and elbows used so elegantly. Yeah, and and brutally. <coughs> you know, like, like it's not just uh, I'm throwing my knees at people. Yeah. Like, oh, this is a move. Like, this is yeah. a, a posture, a pose. It's amazing. Um, Man, I love those movies. Protector 2. It's fine. There is a very funny scene where they... Um, oh, I don't know, what, what's even the setup? Where all of a sudden, like, the walls catch on fire. So uh, Tony Job jumps up and gets his feet on the wall. So then they're on they're on fire. And I think his feet are like a mix of sometimes real fire, sometimes CG. Um, eventually, he gets all CG because he does it. He starts kicking the guys and it leaves like CG fire on them. And they got to stop to put the fire up. And then he keeps jumping up against the wall to keep his feet aflame and kicking the dudes with the fire feet. And then the other guys catch on. There's like five dudes. They all catch on. And then they start bouncing off the walls. Not, they get fire feet. So everybody's got fire feet. Everyone, and, but it's like. Off the wall kick, off the wall kick, and they're just bouncing back and forth. It, I was like, "Is this supposed to be comedy? Am I supposed to be laughing?" I don't know. Because I'm, I'm not laughing. It's not that funny. It just looks silly. It looks silly as hell. They were, I'm sure they thought it was going to look awesome, and it does not. Oh boy, it does not. Um, they do do a cool thing where there's a, they do set up a good like bad guy where that where the first time he fights uh, Tony Jaw plus like two other people. He he beats him up pretty good and even kills one of the one of the people. It's a little girl, but don't worry about it. She was a badass, and uh, and then he has to like fight him again later. It's a good build up to having to fight this guy until he finally gets to fight him. Oh man, this is so funny. He fights him on the there's a high speed train going by, so it's like the the, the it's elect, it's electric, right? Okay. So it's got a hot rail, um, and they um, they're on the rails, right? And this dude, the bad guy, has he's, he's like a puddle of water, so he gets his feet wet, and then he uh, like stands, oh, and then he also grabs a, a chain, I think, and then when he stands, um, he's such a badass. So when he stands on the rail, uh, all he does is like sh- like he's uh making himself like a static electrical, like a Tesla coil type thing. And then as he fights them, they're just like zapping each other because then the, it backfires. And then when Tony John like kicks him in the face, the electricity like zaps himself in the face. He's like, "Oh!" and he hurts himself. It's silly. silly. It's very silly. Fire feet and electric people. Fire feet and electric people. All for an elephant. Not even a grown <laughs> elephant. Like a baby elephant. It's crazy. This movie made no sense. Oh, and the Rizzas in it. Okay. 
when he popped up, I, I was mean, like, that, that makes sense. I was like, this is this movie is the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> the, it does for the time period. It's probably yeah. like 2009, 2010. It's right around man with the two fists, man with the iron fist, something like that. Something like that. And he does fight Tony Ja later, and looks pretty good doing it because he's only like 35, 40 at this point, still pretty thin, uh, moving around pretty good. It was a fun little, fun little reveal. Anyway, Alone season eight is finally on Netflix. And for any any of my fellow alone heads, <laughs> uh, do you watch Alone Alone? I, I watched some with my brother. Okay, I was like, "Hey, watch this!" And he was on his phone the whole time, like these idiots. Um, funny thing about this season, I had watched like the first four, I think, episodes, maybe five, on as it was airing on uh, via Sling okay. on the History Channel, and uh, the commercials. I couldn't do it. Yeah, I, I got so tired of trying to watch this fucking show with the commercials, just normal commercial breaks. But I hated it. Uh, and then pulling up on Netflix. Got, got to a commercial break instead of a commercial went right into the review because they do the same thing every time where yeah. it's like oh I'm about to catch this fish Crap, commercials and then they come back I caught the fish mm-hmm. you know I don't need that gap in there it's making the episode 10 minutes longer yeah uh, so it's on Netflix and I'm happy and it took me a minute to even find which episode I had left off at because it had been so long and then also I remember another reason why I stopped watching because four or five episodes in Usually you have a person out of 10 people. There's somebody you kind of root for. Like, I like that person. I hope they do good. I didn't like none of these people. I actively disliked right. a handful of them. Awesome. Like, so these people suck. them to fail. At this point, at this point I might as well. Just like, please, Eaten fail. Eaten by wolves. Eaten by wolves. That, drown in the lake. Drown in the lake. That's the best part about this. <clears throat> this season is supposed to be the deadliest season or the danger, most dangerous season ever because there's... um uh Grizzlies, a lot of grizzlies. Oh, by bear. Yes, there's a lot of grizzlies. Um, uh, what kind of cats? Some big cats. There's some big cats up there, and uh, it's dangerous. It's dangerous, but it's, it's you know it's. Well, okay. hopefully they all get mauled. Yeah, I want at least one person to get mauled. I feel like that would have been made the news. <laughs> uh, yesterday, uh, a lone contestant was mauled to death by a bear. That, that episode will air next year. <laughs> cool. wow, like wow, the marketing for the show is great. We're going to launch right into our spoiler-free review of Nope. Drusa Cogburn. Nope. No? That's your review? <laughs> are, are, was, you, are you giving us a yep or a nope? Yeah, it, was, it was good, dude. It was it was really good. It gets a yep. I, th- I, I think it's a yep for Nope. I enjoyed it very much. Seeing our IMAX, I think, was the right move. Yeah, for sure. Especially for those big sky shots. The big sky shots really utilizing big blue... Uh, weaponizing images of blue skies with clouds for, in a way. For, for the longest time, there, there was part of this movie mm-hmm. where I was like, "Why is why is this why is this even in this movie? Like, mm-hmm. I don't get." And then, and then as, things, the, as the movie progresses, I'm like, "Oh, it is one of those things where it's it seems like is this kind of like let's get together in, in some way, but it does. It does. You're one hundred percent. Well, at least for me, it did. And thematically, it does. And um yeah, uh, you know, talk about it in a spoiler-free way kind of limits, obviously, the specifics of what we can talk about. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to... It's it's new and fresh and interesting that, Why, I, that, yeah. I, that I didn't... did not see coming. It's something new and fresh while also... For sure, yeah. It for sure did something that I didn't expect. While also still feeling like... Which, this is such a cliche thing to say, but whatever. It's, it's cliche because it's the easiest way to say it. It's very much a Jaws 
yeah type of thing uh-huh it's a it's a creature feature it's uh it's in the jaws way where we're, well don't don't show it you know, wait <laughs> wait a while i i mean i even saw TikTok, the Tiki Talks. I saw on the on the Tiki Talks. On the Tiki Talks. A little blurb of Jordan Peele mm-hmm. talking about, I think he called it at the end, the Jaws rule. Okay. Don't show your monster because, you know, it's all about keeping the audience in suspense, especially if the audience knows that it's going somewhere. No. Uh, if you show your monster too early, you're more likely to be like, and then this is him. He's like, oh, so that's what the, that's what the monster looks like? Oh, okay. You know, it looks, I thought it would look cooler, but okay, whatever. Yeah, let's no. do this. You know, you, you want to avoid that. And, Nope, definitely takes its time to sh- for the big reveals. But, oh, wait, well, I mean, the, even the big even... third act reveals where you're like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> like, I, like I thought, you know, I was like, wow, this yeah. is interesting and and like conceptually, like, I don't even know how to where to describe it. Um, I mean, I I could, but I think it'd be, it would it's be spoilery, away. right? Yeah, yeah it's spoilery if you away. try to get specific in, in what you're seeing in this movie. Yeah. The IMAX is a good call because yeah. the image is so big and the sky is so big and you can have the big ground shot and mm-hmm. people so far down it's here. Tiny little people. It is pretty. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder how that is going to end up working for most screens um, with the, a more compressed image. Hmm. I mean, I don't think, it's just not going to be as epic. won't be as epic. It's probably, I wonder if it's in the Steven Spielberg like 1.85. Like, you know, it's not full rectangle, no. but it's like the halfway point between full rectangle and the square. Uh, it's kind of like what TVs are essentially at the at six sixteen days, nine yeah. sort of ratio, yeah. Uh, yeah, it it looks great. Uh, even from like the opening scene where you don't know what the hell's going on, and then yeah. that was like, well, <laughs> and then the well, reveal later. Yeah, and then, yeah. It's even worse when he gets to the reveal, and then you know what's happening. Yeah. It's, it's like oh, and, and the way it's presented is like so tense. It's like you're waiting for the thing to happen. Yeah. You're hearing a bad thing happen, uh-huh. and you know what it is. Like, oh my God. Like, are we gonna see it? How much are yeah. we gonna see? What's the whole thing? It's like almost sadistic the way. I mean, you, we definitely see the aftermath. You I see mean, some. Oh shit. boy! <laughs> and then yeah, is this frustrating here to talk about it this way, guys? Well, it's, even, it I, I is what it is. Though. I don't want to because yeah. it just came out. It just came out, and it's worth. And people should see it. People should see it. It's worth watching. And the uh, and everyone's great in it. Kaluuya, no, great, mm-hmm. very like a reserved character. Seems like he's um. Like in in a shell sort of way, you know, type of thing. And then Kiki Palmer is the opposite. She's all like uh, the the big um, talkative one. Man, she does that Akira bike slide at the end. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, it was. I was like, yes. How <laughs> um, you get to ride a motorcycle on dirt? Yeah, so cool. That's such an awesome shot. And oh, Michael Michael Wincott. The guy playing the cinematographer, they show him in the trailers. Yeah, um, he's got that voice or saying, "Yeah, uh-huh. I'm just talking about cameras, but it sounds <laughs> apocalyptic when I do it." Because I've been smoking my entire <laughs> life, right? It's got to be. <laughs> what if it's what, what if it's a pull on a put on, and he just you know he just knows how to like affect has, it, or maybe he literally just throws gravel in his throat. Yeah, someone give me some more rocks. <laughs> um, what's his biggest role? Bad guy in the crow. Maybe. Probably his biggest. I mean, he's been bad guys in lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. In, in, in the 90s, he had that long hair thing going, which is weird. Yeah, long, thin, <laughs> fine hair. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think he's aged pretty well. He, he looks good yeah. for, for his age, and, he's I mean, so, I was and happy, he still has that voice. I was I was happy to see him, and fu- it, they had fun with his character. They did. <laughs> they did. So apparently, I just read a thing today where he was uh, he modeled... He's like, oh, I'm playing a cinematographer. Okay, well then I'm gonna fo- I'm gonna follow the cinematographer Hoyt Van Hoytema Hoytema yeah, uh-huh. uh, uh, Nolan's guy. Yeah, 
And uh, I guess it makes sense. Like, we're using IMAX cameras. I might as well ask this guy to do it. And so he said he just tagged them everywhere. He was like, oh, he's messing around with the cameras and put them on his shoulders and like asking all these questions and trying to get like all the technical nitty gritty about it. And uh, and then the black scarf that he wears at the movie, that, that's literally the cinematographer's scarf. He's like, give me that. <laughs> I'm wearing it. That's my costume now. And he's wearing, he's like copying him to, down to the scarf, which is pretty funny. That's, that's cool. Uh, yeah, man, this is like, a, it's like a scary movie, but it also obviously it has some, the, the humor is Jordan Peele. And also horror works well with yeah. comedy, right? At least a well, little I bit. Well, I mean, and then de- depending on what your sense of humor or mm. horror is yeah you you might laugh at some inappropriate parts like i i did in my head that's true yeah there are, there are some parts oh no that's still <laughs> like that's fucked up and funny <laughs> yes for sure it's very r-rated oh yes uh, oh yes uh, oh steven yoon i didn't know uh, anyone can make any movie or actor could make a, a monologue about a fake snl skit sounds so tense and, and <laughs> surreal yeah when he when he just sits down and he starts talking about chris Catan, man he was so good <laughs> and then the music's all like tense and shit I'm like, what's going on in this twilight zone of a movie man the, the the atmosphere of all this is so crazy they that little jupiter's claim theme park thing that yeah. he that he's running there they built that out at universal um Hollywood okay, in their like back lot tour so you can walk around there and like buy some shit and look at stuff and then I guess they have like a immersive experience thing timed out so every every once in a while like a, a noise like there's a noise like a crash and then some actors start screaming and they look up at the sky and like oh no and they start running away and stuff yeah. and then everyone else just panics and maybe thinks it's a active shooters situation yeah. and, <laughs> and stampede out of there I don't know how that happens yeah. it's a different world we live in a bad time but nope is good yeah I enjoyed it. I really much. enjoyed. It. Oh man, that Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer dude, when teaser. Do I? I I was like, okay, so this. I mean, added bonus. Like, I really hope this isn't the best part of the fucking movie. I know. Like, please, you're setting yourself up so hot. With an, it, it's so weird how they had all the trailers, and then like the IMAX, like the commercial, and then the lights come down. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, now the movie's starting, but nope, no, no, no green band. Here is just a an Oppenheimer teaser, uh, which is like mostly voiceover, but like and a wh- countdown, and a countdown, <laughs> and apparently real time countdown. It, was it? I, I wanted to know. I believe it's because it's down to the second. <laughs> <I'm saying. laughs> I believe I believe it is a. It's the first ever real time trailer. It's a, <laughs> you get a real time countdown to the opening of Oppenheimer next summer. That's weird. And I think it's also interesting that it's a, uh, you know, someone, it's people, it's dialogue, right? And you can't hear a lick of it because the music is like, it's so loud. Like, even, no one's like, no one hears anything in the teaser. No one hears anything in the teaser. You hear me? Do you want to hear the dialogue? But you can't hear the dialogue. That's the point of my movies. Yeah. They're just barely perceptible. <laughs> like, all right, Nolan. It's fine. Cillian Murphy with that fucking top hat. Oh yeah, dude. And I, I think the movie's gonna be mostly in black and white. Makes sense. But then, all that swirly stuff that was happening, like it looked like intense macro photography. Yeah, that, that, that's what the inside of the nuclear explosion. <laughs> right? Is that what that is? I, uh, I bet you that's not in the teaser for no reason. You know, that's gonna be like featured. Is that like the only color element of the movie? Probably. Oh my god. This guy gets like, what is this, like a hundred something million dollar drama? I really, I really hope this is just like atomic bomb porn because I'm totally, I'm totally, I'm totally ready for that. Atomic bomb that, yeah, for real, dude. It it looks wild. It's just a teaser. I'm like, I'm on board. Let's do it. A film by Christopher Nolan. Yes. (laughs) 
It's just going to be people mostly talking. Okay. And like they're writing on chalkboards. Sure. Trying to do math equations. It's going to be fascinating. How's it going to be so good? It's going to be so good. <laughs> it is based on a book. Yeah. That for sure helps. Someone already figured out the, the, the dramatic yeah. through line of, of the events, right? All I had to do was uh, now make it into a movie. Say yep to nope. It's good. Yeah. It's agreed. good. See it in the theater. See it in the big theater. If you can see it on IMAX, apparently you, you get an awesome IMAX trailer. Yeah. I, I wonder if that, that if that's in front of everything or what. Because it looks so good in that <laughs> IMAX screen. Oh, my God. Fill up the whole screen. Oh, I, I was shit. just like, and so my next IMAX movie, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Let me think. No. Avatar 2. Uh, Seeing yeah. that trailer on the IMAX screen is like, oh, yes, yes. Now I remember. <laughs> <laughs> This looks so good. It looks like just visually looks so good. You have to remind yourself this is animated. Yeah. It, it looks like uh-huh. looks. Ugh, I hate it. And then in ten years we'd be like Avatar two. It still kind of looks looks a little cartoony. But Avatar eight. Look at this shit. <laughs> it's like in your living room. It's a hologram in your living room. It's happening. And then ten years after that, like man, remember those early hologram movies? They were so whack. <laughs> so you, wait, you could see right through them. <laughs> that's how technology works, Chris. I know. I know. It's funny. It's very funny. Um. All right, well, nope. You know, guys, guys, see it, see it. It's great. We'll be talking more about it in the future as uh, you know, as things happen. As things get spoiled for you already. As a matter of fact, should have asked you to do this. Why don't we look up that? Uh, because I know it made about five, five or six million Thursday night preview screening. So I wonder if that'll equate to a hundred million dollar opening weekend. Remember, it is an R-rated horror film, essentially. So, and if it's over a hundred, I think that's forty-four. A win. 44, R-rated horror film. That's what I'm saying. 44. Uh, Thor made 22. We'll see. Top Gun's still in the top five. With how much? Another $10 million. $10 million. It made 12 last weekend. Me and my brother are going to go see it this week. Because <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't seen it yet. It's still... And it's still playing, so we have the opportunity to still see it in the theater and see and watch a trailer for like Thor Love and Thunder. <laughs> I wonder if the update that trailer is... good. Hey, I remember that movie. Oh, Black Phone, yeah. That was yeah. good, too. Yeah. So crazy. <laughs> So crazy, it's still playing, and it's also interesting that um, it still makes ten million dollars a week. Well, not nah, that that's justifying Tom Cruise forcing Paramount to not only not put it on streaming, but to also they announced a forty-five day window. That's now you know a lot of these services are doing like HBO forty-five days after the movie comes out, boom, it's on our streaming service. Um, Peacock does that for Universal Universal movies. Uh, they, he's like, no, you can't do that. The Top Gun. Respect the window. It's got to play in theaters. You got to let it have a life outside of your streaming service. And it's being played out now. These $10 million weekends. Yeah. Shit. Uh, and he's like, see, I told you. I told you guys. I'm here to save cinema. <laughs> it's me. I'm the man. Best opening sequence. <laughs> Twin Peaks, the TV show, has a great opening sequence because it's them finding Laura Palmer's body. Yeah. Oh, in um, 101 Places, uh, the Richmond episode, there's a Twin Peaks themed bar that they go to called nice. the Black Lodge. And it's like the drinks yeah. are, you know, they, uh-huh. they're ripping off Twin Peaks left and right. Uh, yeah, that's cool. I, I don't know if it's on many, but you probably get a, a an Arnold Laura, Laura Palmer. That'd be pretty good. A Laura Arnold Palmer. Pretty <laughs> much. Come on, Laura Palmer. Laura, Laura Palmer. That would be uh, iced tea, lemonade, vodka. Okay. And a roofie. 
And, and, and a body bag and a bo- you, and wrapped, wrapped in plastic yeah because you're gonna end up in a river yeah wrapped in, <laughs> wrapped in plastic <laughs> all right we can build this out we can make this work we can have our own twin peaks bar uh you have to kill like anytime anybody orders a laura palmer they just die That's yeah all. <laughs> like oh we got another laura palmer here some guy walks out with an axe all right <laughs> we're gonna drug this one up take her to a cabin this is gonna be bad we, we gotta make sure we take her over state lines make it federal Mm. That shit was international. That happened on the Canadian border. Um, Rest in peace, David Warner. David Warner passed away this week. David Warner drew a member in the mouth of madness. Mm -hmm. The the old man, the doctor. Yeah. That showed him in the beginning of the end. That guy guy passed away. Uh, I'm an older gentleman, 80 years old. A lot of people have been dying lately. Oh, yeah. We're going to go through a couple of them, actually. Um, He's probably most known throughout the world for being uh, Billy Zane's henchman in Titanic. Mm -hmm. But he's also in the OG Tron. You know, I mean, he's done a ton of stuff. he was Jack the Ripper in that movie that I'm now I'm obsessed with now. Time after time after time, no, with his name H. G. Wells has a chase, chase Jack the, the Ripper. Time. Oh my god, mm-hmm. <sighs> so fun. The, the premise is better than the movie, but still, it's so fun. It's such a good movie. They go to McDonald's, <laughs> yeah, so like figure out how to order food. H. G. Wells is like oh, hamburger. <laughs> um, so David David Warner is dead. That's sad. Also dead, Bob. Rafelson. Bob Rafelson's not a name that comes up, I mean, at all on, on the show, but he very easily could. We could talk about him because he's part of that 70s crew of people with like Warren Beatty, what's his name? Peter Bogdanovich, Jack Nicholson, uh, that they start like the new Hollywood thing, Robert Evans, and then they greenlit movies from, you know, Lucas and Coppola and, and all this shit. They're part of that group of the new Hollywood group, right? Uh, he passed away. He is uh, was old as fuck too, like uh, like a thousand years old. I don't know. No. He, he co-created the monkeys. Okay, yeah, which old is as fuck. Yeah, old as fuck. He uh, directed their movie Head. That was his first movie. Went on to direct, I think, five movies with Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson co-wrote that monkeys movie with Ravelson. They were buds. Good for them. Yeah, they were buds. Um, five easy pieces. Postman always rings twice. King of Marvin Gardens, these are all Jack Nicholson movies that Bob Ravelson made. Oh, he also made, I did see this movie. Did he direct this one? Yes. Okay. I can talk about one movie that I for sure have seen. I might have mentioned on the show before. Mountains of the Moon. Okay. You know about this one? Probably not. All right, let me tell you about this. Mm. You would actually love this, Drew. It's a shame it's not streaming anywhere right now. Only for rent. 1990, it's about uh, uh, Richard Burton and John Hanning Speak. Explorers determined to find a source of the Nile River somewhere in Central Africa. Okay. So the, these guys are like, we're going to burrow into Africa and no. see what we can find. Of course, calamity happens all along the way. Duh. But they eventually <laughs> get to what they think is a source of the Nile. It's not. Yeah. Spoiler alert, it's not. <laughs> uh, but they're like, we did it. We found <clears throat> it. We're going to name this for the queen. It's like Lake Victoria or whatever. Yeah. So it's uh, that's how far they get, which isn't very far at all. But man, they get fucked up, yeah, and yeah. it's uh, an awesome, compelling, like really well made movie. Yeah, the source of the Nile has been changed like five, six times. <laughs> yeah, no, we're I not. Mean, only, only like I think like twenty years ago, they were like, you know what? I think we finally found it. That's crazy. Uh, Mountains of the Moon from nineteen ninety, two hours and twenty minutes long. Totally worth it. Totally worth it. I think Adapt, adapted from Burton and Speak. I guess that's a guy. That's a guy. Richard E. Grant's in it. Oh, that's awesome. I forgot about that. Delroy Lindo. 
Fuck yeah, Del Orlando. So Bob Rafelson's dead. No. Anyway. Uh, also, uh, uh, Paul Sorvino. Yeah. Law and Order Zone, Paul mm-hmm. Sorvino. Of course, that's... Is that the most popular thing? No, he's on plenty oh, of other no. stuff. <laughs> Dude, he was, he was in fucking Goodfellas. He's goddamn Goodfellas. Like, he's, got, he's cutting the garlic he, thin. <laughs> he, he's he's part of the Goodfellas crew that died this year. Yeah, him and Leota both passed. Uh, people, someone go knock on Joe Pesci's door, make sure he's okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. I mean, Motherfucker, fuck, fuck you. Fuck you, Ace. All of them. Dude. Someone needs to knock. I mean, I know Scorsese's working, but like, I, I'm afraid he's going to just die on he set. Is, he is just going to... His past cocaine use has weakened his heart somehow. There's no way he can still be uh, doing all this shit. He just signed on for another movie. That's what I'm saying. Um, Paul Sorvino's dead. Paul Sorvino, my favorite recent thing about him is how um, the news came out that uh, during the Me Too shit with Harvey Weinstein, that Peter Jackson revealed that during a short period of time when Harvey Weinstein was a producer on um, The Hobbit, not The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, the first one, Fellowship, uh, that he floated Mira Sorvino. He was like, what about her for uh, whatever role? Ended up going to Liv Tyler. And Weinstein said, no, she's difficult to work with. She's bad, blah, 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 blah. But he was doing his thing where it's like, yeah, she, she, he was killing her career. Yeah, he would, mm-hmm. she wouldn't let me fuck her or some bullshit. Um, so Peter Jackson's like, oh, shit, I had no idea. Okay, well, I guess I won't even consider her and we'll just move on. So then he reveals that years later. Oh, shit, you know, I, and that's my bad for just believing this dude and taking his word for it. You know, yeah. so he apologized for his role in that. Um, so it was Paul Sorvino, someone asked him about that, and he said, Harvey Weinstein better be happy he's going to jail, because I see him, I'm going to mur- I will murder him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this was like a quote yeah. in the pa- in papers. Like, they, this was printed. <clears throat> mm-hmm. He's like, oh, is this on the record? I will murder him <laughs> if I see him. Um, he also said, uh, he was like, uh, that he was raised by, the way he was raised by his mother, he was raised by a strong woman as his mother, which is why he's like, uh, he's a feminist, blah, blah, and all this stuff, mm-hmm. and Anyway, rest in peace, Paul Sorvino. Always looks like he's half asleep in almost everything he says. <laughs> he's a sleepy eye. This thing. You tell me there was a murder here. <laughs> rest, rest in power. Rest in power, King. <laughs> he's like, what is he talking about? This guy, the King. What is he talking about here? This kid. A PFT Media Production.